The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. How are you? Let me tell you, you listeners are awesome. I mean it. You have helped propel this show so high on Voice America, and I know it's because of you, and I want to thank every one of you. Also, I want to send greetings to Chattanooga, Tennessee, to my friends that I just met when I spoke down there for the Epilepsy Foundation. So excited about that. And actually, to everyone who participated in the National Epilepsy Walk, and to our great friend, Greg Grumberg, TV star of heroes, I say, just talk about it. That is why I'm so excited to have these guests on today. Because I want to tell you, it is an honor for me, because really, this organization is so well known in the disability community and really highly thought of uh, through my entire career. I have always thought so highly of this group, and that is why I'm so honored to have the co-directors of the Job Accommodation Network, better known to many of you across the United States as JAN. We have the co-directors Lou Orslein and Ann Hirsch both with us today on the show. Ann and Lou, welcome to the show. Hello, Joyce. And thank you so much for this opportunity to, to speak to your audience today. Well, it's a pleasure to have both of you. And Joyce, um, also, congratulations on your radio program success and also your uh, new role with the Epilepsy Foundation. has to be oh, pretty exciting. That is so exciting, and thank you very much. And what Lou's referring to is in May I will be the chairman of the board of the National Epilepsy Foundation, and I am so excited it's so honored to be in that position. So I'll tell you what, Lou, we're going to start with you. Uh, maybe you can begin by telling our listeners uh, throughout the world how you actually first became involved with the disability community. Sure, sure. My experience and understanding of, of disability started when I was very young and about five years old. Um, at that time, my father was blinded in a coal mining accident. Um, and he, he, was, he was always very smart, um, graduating two years early from high school, but at that point his parents couldn't afford to send him on to college. So uh, after his medical recovery from the mining accident, uh, he and my mother decided that this accident presented the opportunity for him to attend college. So um, while it was very challenging for our family, I had four siblings at that time. Uh, my mother went back to work. They found a local student who would serve as my dad's college reader, and then with the support of the Fayette County Blind Association, the Pennsylvania State Vocational Rehabilitation Agency, and California University of Pennsylvania, my dad graduated from college. Um, he went on to uh, direct the local uh, ARC, or the local ARC for Fayette County, 
I mean, I was involved in volunteering while he was uh, serving as the as the director there. Um, but then uh, he went on to uh, return to his coal mining roots by serving as a union organizer, the special assistant to the vice president of the United Mine Workers of America, and he ended his career as the director of organizing for the UMWA in D.C. Um, I also have a, another a, a sibling with uh, epilepsy who has also faced considerable discrimination in the workplace and who's never really had a, uh, a fair shake. So all of my work here at JAN really is inspired by my family members with disabilities who taught me a great deal about the importance of work, independence, and how abilities are the uh, most important value in the workplace. Well, I guess you really got a first-hand exposure. I, I certainly have. Um and that is awesome, and that, that really, I can see what an impact that would have. How about you, Ann? How did you get involved? Well, uh, my involvement began a little later in life for me. It was um, through college coursework and, at that time, personal relationships with friends and family who did happen to have disabilities. Um, and I, from there, um, got two degrees in rehabilitation counseling and, and voc evaluation, and with a bit of luck, being in the right place at the right time helped launch a real interesting career and what has turned out to be pretty much uh, life work for me uh, here at Jan. Well, I'll tell you what, what a great thing that you have both accomplished. So, Anne, how about if we take a moment for you to describe to our listeners what the Job Accommodation Network is and where it is located? Certainly. Um, Jan, first of all, is a free service of the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy, or ODEP, um, we're located in Morgantown, West Virginia, on the campus of West Virginia University, if there are any Mountaineer fans out there. Um, our mission and purpose is to provide technical assistance on how to implement effective job accommodations for people with all types of disabilities or, or limitations. We also give technical assistance on the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA Amendments Act, and other related um, employment legislation. We also have a project that deals with helping people who, who are interested in self-employment find out valuable information about how uh, to be an entrepreneur, um, and that's specific to people with disabilities, of course. We receive, hey, hey, go ahead. We receive inquiries from employers of all types, shapes, sizes, as well as from individuals, their family members, um, service providers, of, you know, host of professionals who are helping to get people to work or back to work. Okay, and you, again, you were saying you're located where? Morgantown, West Virginia. We're on the campus of West Virginia University. Okay, and um, how would someone, what is your website if they wanted to reach you? Uh, it's www.jan.wvu.edu. Well, I know you mentioned already that you know how uh, you're connected with the Federal Department of Labor, but I thought, Lou, maybe you could take a moment to explain to our listeners how Jan has worked with uh, the federal government. Sure, sure. Well, Jan's vision is to increase the employment of people with disabilities both in the public and private sectors. Now, within the public sector, of course, federal agencies are one of our largest constituencies. And we support these agencies first through our consulting service. Um, we can always be reached at um, 800-526-7234, uh, voice and TTY 877-781-9403. Um, and what we provide 
fee of that 800 number is one-on-one coaching for supervisors, EEOs, and others in the federal government who are responsible for providing accommodations to federal workers. By providing these core services, we've also developed close relationships with enforcement agencies, such as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs. Now, it's important to note that, that all of our consultants, are, our consultations, rather, are confidential. So no identifying information is provided to this, these agencies. However, say, for instance, a federal customer is requesting clarification of an EEOC technical assistance document and we have a point of contact at the EEOC who can call to clarify this information and provide that clarification to the JAN customer. And through our monthly webcasts and on-site customized workshops, we provide training for federal agencies, including the Department of Defense, the Commerce Department, the Internal Revenue Service, the Justice Department, Small Business Administration, the Department of Labor's Employment and Training Administration, Job Corps, uh, the Veterans Employment and Training um, Administration, amongst others. Now, being funded by the U.S. Department of Labor's Office of Disability Employment Policy, this also enables us to be part of many efforts, um, whether it's serving as part of the Assistive Technology Collaboration, the Interagency Work Group on the Employment of People with Disabilities in the Federal Workforce, or part of ODEP's Circle of Champions. By being part of these efforts, we can bring insight and inform policy development and decisions from what we hear during our more than 38,000 uh, consultations and 132 trainings per year. Okay, so do you go throughout the United States then and do presentations to the federal agencies, or how does that work? We do. Um, we do that primarily on invitations. Um, we also attend major conferences that might be hosted four federal agencies like Perspectives. There's a conference that's in Bethesda, Maryland, every December. Um, there's a, a couple other. EEOC has an Excel conference. Um, there's a, a, a FDR conference that we go to as well, and we not only bring our booth to be able to talk to people on a one-on-one basis, but we're oftentimes presenting two or three different sessions at these events. Yeah, and I just want to mention that you, you mentioned how you have worked with... Um, EEOC. Yes. And I just want to say uh, Vice Chair Commissioner Christine Griffin is a phenomenal leader in this area, uh, and I know that she has visited you also. She is. She's such an, uh, she's such an advocate um, for people with disabilities and increasing the employment of people with disabilities um, in, federal, in the federal workforce. Uh, her lead initiative, um, that's, I mean, it's going to be very instrumental in turning this around from the federal government losing people with disabilities to, to really increasing the amount of people with disabilities in the federal workplace. So we have a lot of respect for uh, Commissioner Griffin and her work in the lead program. Yes, we do too. We think she's awesome. But right now we have to go to break for a minute, but when we come back... We will be with Lou Orsline and Ann Hirsch, co-directors of JAN, the Job Accommodation Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back.
Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again? 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com. Mom? Dad? How long should I wait for you? Mom? If I'm at soccer practice. What if something happens? Will you come get me? There's no reason not to have a plan in case of a terrorist attack. Mom, if you're not home, should we go to the neighbor's house? And some extremely good reasons why you should. Can you tell me? Everybody should have a plan. Take five minutes to talk about where you'll meet and how you'll get in touch with each other in an emergency. For other things you can do to be prepared, visit www.ready.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and the Ad Council. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we have as our guest today, Jan, the Job Accommodation Network with co-directors Lou Orsling and Ann Hirsch. And so excited to have them both on the show So here is our first question from Terry in Indianapolis. And the question is, uh, for either of you, whoever wants to answer, uh, I'm curious, in your opinion, have you seen very much progress made in the area of companies understanding access or accommodations for people with disabilities? I I think that we certainly have seen... Um, the tide turn from more of a compliance orientation to a really understanding the business case for valuing people with disabilities in the workplace and then learning how to do that. In many corporations now, um, there are uh, the National Freedom Initiative winners of the Department of Labor, many of which, uh, for instance, Joyce's uh, consulting group is one of those winners. And I think there are more and more corporations really understanding that value, understanding how to accommodate people, and realizing that this is a competitive advantage, particularly as we're moving into um, a more, we're moving sort of into this global aging of the workforce. If employers don't know how to accommodate people, they're really going to be left out. And I I would agree, although I think um, we still have a lot of work to do, well, we've seen some growth in, in the higher level, like Lou's talking about. One of the areas where we still hear a lot of concern are, are from the supervisors and managers or about the supervisors and managers um, who aren't familiar with disability issues. Um, and they're the ones that right on the ground doing the hiring and the, and the supervising. So that's the group that we're often trying to reach either through our, our writings on our website, our publications on our website, the different events that we um, go to to get the word out about 
employing and accommodating people with disabilities. I, and I would totally agree with Anne. I think that while many of the CEOs and many of the upper-level management have championed the cause, I think that it's, it's, it's true that it's difficult sometimes to drill that all the way down to hiring managers and supervisors. But we're seeing corporations like Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of uh, Pennsylvania, um, Tammy McNaughton's group in um, Pittsburgh, um, and really if you hear the CEO talk or you hear Tammy talk or you hear one of the line supervisors, um, they're talking the same talk and doing the same things. Um, they have a great, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield has a great model uh, for other corporations to emulate. Well, you're speaking my language because Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield is the reason I'm in business today. They were the first company that ever believed in uh, my idea of starting Bender Consulting Services. And I first went to the first CEO, Bill Lowry, and, and told him my idea that I wanted to start this company and would they be an anchor company and take on six people uh, as consultants for the next three years. But keep in mind... This was way back in 1995, uh, only three years after the uh, ADA had actually been uh, actually implemented. And so Bill Lowry, the CEO, got behind me, and the next CEO, John Browse, met with me, and they said, we want to keep this going with you. And the next CEO, Dr. Milani, Ken Milani, uh, said, we want to keep this going with you. And uh, from that day forward, this company has hired so many people from Bender but been so supportive of everything. You know, we started together, and here's why I'm talking about Highmark. You know we're going through a tough economic time right now. And I just want to say the company that stepped up for first to call me at the beginning of the year saying, hey, Joyce, we still want to bring on more people from your company was Highmark. So, you know, I nominated them for the New Freedom Initiative Award, which they won, and I nominated uh, Ken for the Tony Quello Award, which he won, and I've also taken Ted Kennedy Jr. there to meet them and many, many other people, but uh, you hit my hot button when you mentioned, mentioned them, Lou. I couldn't speak highly enough of that company. They're certainly the trendsetter. Well, it's been me and Highmark together from the beginning. That's how it started. That's how this whole thing started. We started working together, and, you know, here we are now, and they, they just are really, uh, and now their new uh, executive team, I've known a lot of those people for years, and they're, they're just first class. In all, I always say a good example for other companies to follow, but I have to tell you that Bayer here in Pittsburgh is doing the same thing. Uh, their CEO, Greg Babe, is phenomenal. CSC is being outstanding across the country. Uh, WellPoint is being outstanding, but the MGM Mirage, many, the NSA, the National Security Agency, the FAA and the Navy are all trying to get on board with us. But as Ann mentioned, we still have a very long way to go. Because I still have companies ask me, what's it going to cost me for accommodations to hire uh, and bring these people on? And by the way, folks, if you're listening to the show, you know when you hear people say, well, according to, it's about $500. That's Jan that they're always referring to. Um, I mean, I've heard Jan quoted more than any other group talking about the cost of an accommodation. Uh, but maybe you can talk about that for a minute and about uh, your opinion of the average cost for an accommodation. 
Sure. Um, we've been doing a, a, a follow-up survey of, of the employers who contact us for quite some time. Um, and it's interesting how, how that figure that you mentioned, the $500 as a typical cost of an accommodation, has stayed you know, static and stayed the same over the years. Um, our research over time has shown that um, 50% of the time there's no cost to implement accommodation. Um, those may be related to making schedule changes or using equipment that the employer already has for other reasons. Um, but when there is a, a cost, it typically is about $500, which in this day and age is, is something, it's an investment in, in your worker. It's providing a tool to enable them to, to be productive in your workplace, something that all employers, uh, good employers strive to do for all employees. And, and I just want to echo um, that indeed that number, that $500 being the typical cost is important. But what Ann said is that um, most or more than 50% of the accommodations are provided at no cost. I think that's the big figure as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and you know what? That, that is also an interesting point that you made when you said um, it may not be any cost. So many times when we have people hired, there is no cost. There is no cost of an accommodation, I mean, to the company. Right. Uh, they pay me, but there is no cost of an accommodation. So um, I, I think there are a lot of myths, and hopefully, you know, as we keep using this phenomenal group job accommodation network and have them speaking to more and more people, we'll be able, you know, to educate more people so that you realize you can hire a person with a disability and you are not going to incur this huge cost that you think you are going to incur. Um, and how about this? If a person with a disability is listening to the show and they're employed somewhere uh, or have a question, uh, no matter uh, about not being employed, are they able to contact Jan? Oh, certainly. Um, we, we hear from people with all types of disabilities and limitations, and it's an easy phone call. Um, uh, Lou had mentioned our number, 800-526-7234 for voice calls, 877-781-9403 for TTY. When you call, what we would need would be specifics on limitations and abilities. Um, what is the job that you're currently in and what are the problems you're experience, experiencing or if you're looking for work, what type of work are you wanting to find? We're not going to be able to give you listings of employers, but we're going to arm you with information to be a better self-advocate. We're going to give you information about, first of all, what accommodation options might be necessary or helpful to you um, so that you can choose in, in talking with your, the, the employer or your potential employer. We're also going to give you information about how to talk to that employer about your potential accommodation needs. We like to give people information about uh, rights, um, so that people aren't saying things that, that, that they um, should not be about what they can expect from an employer for an accommodation. But we, we like to take the win-win the approach, helping someone become an advocate to sell themselves as a productive employee to any employer. Yeah, and, I, and that is so awesome that you can do that. Um, I wanted to ask you, have you noticed a change in the way people think about where the person should be located in the building. What I'm meaning is I have had companies ask me if they hire a person with a disability, should they be on the top floor or the bottom floor? Have you ever had people ask you that? Um, yeah, um, that certainly does come up, location, especially when you're getting into emergency evacuation issues. 
But we certainly don't take the approach to, you know, put them all on the first floor so they can get out easily. <laughs> you know, by, by all means, there are several ways to help people, all employees, safely evacuate from a building. Um, and that requires good planning. Um, and beyond the planning, practice. Practice ought to be an integral part of any plan related to safe evacuation. And one I'm of so the glad to hear you say that because I am asked that question every so often. And as I tell people, well, we want to be where everyone else would be. Yeah, you know, we don't want to all be on the first floor. We want to be on the top floor. We oh, want to be certainly. wherever. Exactly. I mean, you just have to have a good, as you said, emergency evacuation process. I, I told someone the other day, it reminded me of when uh, PNC Park here in Pittsburgh was built, and my good friend Joan Stein, who I think you both know, the CEO yeah. of uh, ADA Inc. was the consultant for that, and it is such an accessible stadium. It's fantastic. But they also called me when they interviewed different disability leaders, and one of the questions they asked me is, well, do you really want these people able to sit in the front? What if they get hit with a ball? And my answer was, then they get hit with a ball. <laughs> See, I mean, you know, this is the way it is. We all want... Uh, We appreciate all accommodations, and, of course, I do believe you need to have an emergency evacuation plan. But the idea here is when you think about people with disabilities, to think about those people as people, not as a different group, because we want equal treatment. We just want access. We want to be able to get into the building. We want to be able to use the facilities in the building, but we want equal treatment. No pity. Equal treatment. And with that, listen, we're going to go to break for a minute, and then we'll be right back with Ann Hirsch and Lou Orsling, co-directors of the Job Accommodation Network, known to most of you as JAN. Please don't miss it. Tell your friends we're on now so they can check into the show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at Voice America. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Ann and Lou. News. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Over there, over there's the water. Whoosh, whoosh. And look at all this stuff I'm standing on. It's called sand, and it's everywhere. This woman may sound silly to you and me. It's made up of little tiny pieces of rocks. Teeny little pieces of rocks. But to her two-year-old son exploring the world around him, (laughs) she makes perfect sense. How does it feel when you touch the sand? Is it warm? Uh Uh-huh. It's hard to hold in your hand, isn't it? Mm Uh-huh. Learning starts long before school does, and children are naturally curious. They want to learn, so follow their lead. Take simple, everyday moments, like sorting laundry or playing on the beach, and turn them into learning moments. Is this water? No. 
Very good. This is sand. Oh, no, no, it's not food. It's sand. We don't eat sand. Turn everyday moments into learning moments. Find out how at pornlearning.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We are with the co-directors of JAN, the Job Accommodation Network, Lou Orsling and Ann Hirsch. And just a couple of things I wanted to mention. First of all, you know, when I was on the executive board of the President's Committee uh, in 1999 and 1998 reporting to Chairman Tony Quello, who reported to President Clinton, that's when I first met or knew about the Job Accommodation Network. But during the break, Lou and Ann were telling me you started when, 1983? Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have always been so highly thought of through the years. I have had people with disabilities call me that were employed asking me, you know, questions, legal questions, and sometimes very unusual questions that I did not have the answer to and they needed help with, and I was able to refer them to Linda, how do you pronounce her last name? Batiste. Yeah, Batiste, who is awesome at the Job Accommodation Network. Linda, I just want to say thank you because I know I've called you with most unusual questions, but you have always been so helpful to me. And, Anne, you were even mentioning, aren't there a lot of resources or publications listed on the website? Yeah, um, we do have a publication page, and we're, we have, what, a little over 200, 220. 220 publications on different um, disability and employment topics. Um, some are by type of medical condition or disability. Some are by, like we have one on the ADA Amendments Act, um, that are very helpful tools and resources. And, and those also drive something called our Searchable Online Accommodation Resource, or SOAR. It's a way anyone through the Internet can go through a process to look at some of the um, accommodation issues that come up um, based, again, on type of medical condition. And, and it walks you through a process of looking at the limitations that might be a, uh, a result of a, of a particular condition. What are some of the more common workplace issues that we hear about related to individuals with that particular disability, and then it takes you all the way down to some solutions. If products are involved um, through this website, we link you to vendors as well. Okay, well, that's awesome. Well, listen, we have a question for you from a Mary in Tennessee, and the question is this. First of all, I want to thank both of you for the work you've done at JAN and the Job Accommodation Network because it is so important to all of us in the disability community. My question is, what can we do, those advocates in the disability community, what can we do to help you more? I think that um, 
disability advocates uh, are best uh, when they're able to articulate the business case for hiring, retaining, and promoting people with disabilities. Um, I think that's really what all of us need to do. We really need to understand the argument, look at the latest figures. They can look at our latest document, the low-cost, high-impact document that we have, which provides people with the uh, cost of accommodation um, figure that we were talking about earlier, but then also provides a lot of the direct and indirect benefits of um, providing accommodations. And these were self-reported and offered by employers um, who had used the job accommodation network. So I think one of the most important uh, things is that if advocates out there are armed with the, the latest, um, the best information, and uh, they can make that case. And I would add, um, refer people to us. Um, call, call us with someone in your office if, if that you know, works best so, so that you can get just another ear to the issue that the person is facing. Um, use our documents on our website. If you have it, host any event, we'd be happy to send you a quantity of our brochures or fact sheet. Everything we post on our web, we, we put in a way that's easily um, printable um, so that you're welcome to, to print it and distribute all that information. I think we have uh, a caller on the line. Do we have Laura on the line from North Carolina? I am, yes. Can you hear Laura, me? <clears throat> First, Laura, thank you very much for calling in. Uh, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, my name is Laura, and I'm a self-employed disabled individual, and I have been working to provide health care services through acupuncture. I'm a licensed acupuncturist and a nutritional specialist. And the Department of Rehabilitation in Santa Barbara, California, was very helpful where I wrote a business plan, and they provided me with some of the materials to keep my business going um, from time to time, printing supplies and a laptop, actually, at one time they provided me with. Then I got similar help when I left the state to go to Nevada, and now I'm residing in North Carolina because I selected the state's healthcare statistics to make an impact on. And I'm getting very poor results from the vocational rehabilitation offices here and ticket-to-work vendors. And I'm wondering how I might get someone that would be able to help support me in my self-employment goals as a disabled individual. Well, you could start by calling the toll-free number that we mentioned um, and asking for our, our team leader in self-employment and entrepreneurship. Is, her name's Kim Cordingly. Um, Kim, one minute. Let's... Kim, what's the last name again? Cordingly. Cordingly. How do you spell that? C-O-R-D-I-N-G-L-Y. Okay. Uh -huh. Did you get that, Laura? I did, yes. Okay. And you. what is that number? 800-526-7234. Did you get that, Laura? I did. Thank you, Joyce. That's and, quite all right. Uh, we've done um, some work with North Carolina. I'm not really honestly sure about, uh, I'm not knowledgeable about the self-employment arena within that state, but the work we've done with their state assistive technology um, program and, and um, their state workforce board has been, you know, some, some of the some really good stuff. So hopefully Kim Great. can guide you and, and get you some good resources. Okay. And are, are you also oh, talking, much. Laura, to the Small Business Administration? Um, I did uh, attempt to work with the Small Business Administration here and SCORE, but I was having difficulty due to transportation. I don't have my own transportation, and I was having difficulty in communicating with people other than in person. Okay, well, when you call Jan and you talk to them, make sure you, that you also inquire about the best way to deal with whomever at the Small Business Administration. Um, and I just want to tell you, I... 
uh, compliment you, number one, because we, I know what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and it is 24 by 7 everything, and it takes a lot of guts and perseverance, but just the fact that you're still taking the initiative to call in to get more information, good for you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I appreciate those folks at Jan who have used their services while I was in California more, and I'm so grateful for the people that do support us as disabled individuals attempting to provide valuable services to the community. So thank you all. And, Laura, we echo Joyce's comments. We know it's tough being an entrepreneur, and um, but, uh, but, but we know what the reward is as well. So, Okay, so, Laura, call thank back on the show and let me know what happens. I appreciate it. Yes, I will. I all right. Good luck with you. Thank you so much, all of you. Good day. You know, I hope you were all listening here that Jan provides this information on being an entrepreneur and self-employed because, as you might guess, how many people are there I meet that end up becoming an entrepreneur because they could not find a job on their own, you know, because of the disability, so... Um, that's good that that, that that call came in because now you know you can call Jan about that also. And, Lou, is that, what would you say, what, is, what do you do the most at Jan? I mean, what is the greatest percentage of calls you get or work you do? What is it? Well, in, ter- in terms of growth, I think our, our web training is really increasing enormously. We have the Adobe Connect software that enables us to provide customized training to corporations and public agencies at no cost. I mean, I think this is where our service is really growing um, and has grown over the last year. I think we've also increased our um, outreach to disability organizations, private employers, memberships organizations, such as the Disability Management Employers Coalition. Uh, the, uh, we work very closely with the U.S. Business Leadership Network, uh, with which we partner to have an annual conference, and many other federal agencies to get the uh, word out about low cost and the ease of accommodating workers. Now, in terms of hot topics, um, I think we're really increasing our publications in our online knowledge center um, on issues such as traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder, particularly in veterans, as well as um, our age-related um, issues, um, as these are of, of increasing um, interest to our customers. Our uh, online knowledge center, our publications, as Ann had said, we have over 220 technical assistance publications online. But I think really that our one-on-one consultations have been and remain the core service requiring most of our time. Jan employs about 17 consultants in four teams, including sensory, cognitive, motor, and self-employment. And and these consultants provide more than 38,000 consultations per year. So I really think the mainstay is is still our consultation, our coaching services. About 40% of those contacts come from employers. Um, and then the high 30, uh, 38%, 39% from individuals themselves. And I mean, without those consultations coming from both sides, you know, the employment, employer arena as well as the person doing the work, all the training that we um, do couldn't be effective because we really are in a unique position to hear from both sides um, about what their issues are to, to really be able to um, formulate effective training. Well, I'll tell you what, I think that is awesome. I mean, how much you have been doing for so many people. Uh, but I think, folks, we can do a lot more because I, I really want you to be supportive of the Job Accommodation Network because I'll tell you what, for the size of this company, this organization, excuse me, they are doing so many 
great things, and that's why I endorse the Job Accommodation Network. Once again, Lou, what is the uh, website? The website is www.jan.wvu.edu. And and is that the, let me ask you, is that uh, the best way for someone to reach you, would you say, with questions, or is it through the phone? I I really think it's through the 800 number. There's also on our website, um, on the top right-hand corner, there's a red button that says Jan on Demand. We get over 400 email contacts from people a month um, that that use that method of contacting us. I think it really depends on the user and and what do they have time for. Our hours of of operation for our phone service are 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, We've got a lot of people that aren't able to call us at that time, and we have that Internet way for them to reach us 2 o'clock in the morning if they want. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, we're going to go to break for a minute. But we'll be right back to close the show with Lou Orsline and Ann Hirsch, co-directors of the Job Accommodation Network. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Lou and Ann. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Son, we got to talk about drinking. Uh, I know. I don't want you touching alcohol till you're old enough. Yeah, I, I know, Dad. It's not a big deal. Don't, yeah, I know me, okay? And it is a big deal. Underage drinking is just stupid. Yeah, well, why'd you do it? Look, I did it because we didn't know what we know now. Alcohol affects kids differently, okay? When kids drink, it's more dangerous. And you're my kid. And just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. I, I know. I know. Look, son, I'm trying to help. I've seen what it does. I mean, you may think you can handle it, but when you drink, it screws up your judgment. Listen to me. This is real. I I know, okay? I know. Teenagers know everything. So talk about underage drinking before they know it all. Before they're teens. Start talking before they start drinking. And keep talking. To learn more about the dangers of underage drinking and what to say to your kids, go to StopAlcoholAbuse.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. In the great scheme of things, a minute isn't all that much. Unless you happen to have a stroke. All of a sudden, those minutes count. Minutes that could mean losing your ability to talk, move, or walk. Which is why, if you can get help in time, your stroke can be treated. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face. If you experience this, call 911 immediately. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE-TODAY. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you've been listening today, we've had as our guest co-directors Ann Hirsch and Lou Orsling from the Job Accommodation Network, and it has been a great show. I could talk to them forever, uh, but I do want to go over a few last questions with them. You know, um, Ann, when you do speak to companies, what would you say is the greatest myth you run into? Well, the one myth that and I think we've covered already is the myth about the cost of accommodation, um, which I think we've already discussed um, uh, about that it's, they are just not costly. But we do also continue to hear about the attitudinal barriers where people erroneously believe that just because someone has a disability, they're not able to work. And we, you and I, Joyce, know that simply is just not true. People with disabilities certainly have skills, training, life experience like the rest of us that can contribute to the world of work, just like individuals who, you know, as Lou was saying earlier, have not yet experienced disability as, as um, we all age here. Yeah. That is so true, and that probably is the biggest myth is just thinking about what the cost is. And I just, as a person with a disability, I want to thank both of you for what you are doing to constantly get that information out to people so that they understand what the real cost is. You know what the real cost is? You will gain a great employee that will help your bottom line. Absolutely. That is the real cost. That is. So the last two questions I'm going to ask you, I have asked everyone that's been on the show for the past five years. So, um, Lou, we'll start with you. Since you began working at Jan, what is your proudest achievement? Well, uh, organizationally, I, I really think that the way that we look at things is we measure our achievements really one person at a time. Through the years, uh, Jan staff have been able to ensure the hiring and retention of thousands of people with disabilities. A new or retained job enables people to with disabilities to be part of the community, support their families, put their children through college, and lead an independent life. This, I think this is quite an achievement for, for Jan, and I'm really proud to be one of the stewards of such a successful government um, program. Now, in terms of individual achievement, I, along with Ann, have been instrumental in taking Jan to the next level of success. Together, we've increased Jan's visibility, increased its services, increased partnerships with other organizations, and have spearheaded the effort to take Jan's technical assistance to the younger, technological-savvy generation through our recent rollout of social networking tools such as Facebook, Second Life, Twitter, JanBlog, and other tools. So I think really the social networking tools, that's, that's sort of the cusp. That's what we've been working on for a while now, and I think it's, it's what we're most proud of at the moment. Ann, how about you? Well, having been here for 20 years, I have seen a lot of change and growth, and I think the the thing I'm the most proud to be involved in is just fostering and, and developing um, a, a great staff. Um, the, the Jan crew that we have here are, are the, the hardest and best workers that I know, um, and we really truly like to practice what we preach. We, Lou and I do our best to give everybody the tools and training so they can do their job effectively, because if, if we can't support our staff, they certainly can't support those who are contacting us. 
Um, so it's well, kind of making one big Jan brain, you know, yeah. being involved in that. I agree. Yeah, and I will. I will say, um, I agree with that. And I will also say that I think it's so awesome that you are now on Facebook, MySpace. What else did you say you're on, Lou? We're, we also have property in Second Life. We have a booth there, um, and uh, so we market through Second Life. And because, and the reason for all this is they want to reach everyone, including all of you that are now using your own form of social networking. But, you know, this just shows you that we're also making sure they are making sure that they're in touch with you. And as you mentioned, Dan, even in that area, you have to make sure they're accessible, right? Oh, certainly. And that's partly why we're involved in them, to, to look at them for accessibility and to be knowledgeable about um, accessibility and, and where they lack accessibility so that we can be involved and in, in, in advocate for changes. Good for you. That is awesome. I, I, to me, I think that is, I think that is so important. So here we go. Um, I have... Uh, one one quick question from uh, a listener, which is, what would you say for both of you, did you have a role model that prompted you to want to spend your life doing something as great as you're doing at Jan? Lou, we'll start with you. And that is from Nancy in Chicago, Illinois. And, and really, Nancy, I would say that, that that was my father, and that's why I started out the conversation with uh, with him being blinded in the mining accident. Um, he's really been the inspiration and the driving force behind um, what I do. There's no doubt about it. How about you, Ann? Um, I would also have to say it would, uh, my parents did a great job, I think, of, of raising me and, and just seeing how they've committed themselves. My dad was a self-employed individual that really you know, did everything he could to serve his community and um, instilled that in all of his children. Well, and, and you know what? I think that's so awesome, but that's a reminder for all of you listening to the show today. Remember, I remember when I heard Marlo Thomas speak at Carlo University years ago, and she said, whatever you do in life and whatever you say, always remember there's a little girl watching, meaning you have such an impact on other people, your children, your nieces, your nephews, even people you, just you know, but you have such an impact by the way you live your life and look what can happen. You can have great people like Lou and Ann spend their life working to helping people with disabilities. So before we close the show, I have asked everyone on the show, they have to end the show with a message for our listeners. So, Lou, what would be your message? My message would be that the listeners should know that there are free quality resources such as Jan available to support the full inclusion of people with disabilities in the workplace. They should also know that accommodations are typically provided at low cost, um, and uh, they should also realize and understand the argument that in the light of the global aging of the workforce, if employers have not accommodated a person with a disability in the past, they soon will need to know how to do this in order to remain competitive. So now more than ever, hiring and retaining people with disabilities is not only the right thing to do, but it's also one thing that can provide that competitive edge in the marketplace. That would be so my... true. That is. How about you, Ann? Um, well, I'm going to split mine up. Um, my message to employers is: hire somebody with a disability. Go out today and, and find out what your company practices are in terms of, of hiring, and make a contact within your, within your community, whether it's through a, a university 
um, or a service provider in your area that, that can help you find qualified applicants with disabilities. And my message to individuals themselves is, is um, strive to be the best you can. Know your strengths and know your rights um, and know how to, to speak and sell yourself to an employer. Well, these are all great messages because you know I am all about employment. Remember, remember what I say. You're never, ever, 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 ever free in this country until you have competitive employment. Uh, Anne and Lou, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We really enjoyed having you on the show, and we are proud to be affiliated with the Job Accommodation Network. Thanks so much, Joyce, and thanks for inspiring so many in our field. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. And also, thank you for being on Also In. Oh, um, no problem. Now I have to end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or leader in America today is from President Bill Clinton, who said new information and communication technologies can improve the quality of life for people with disabilities, but only if such technologies are designed from the beginning so that everyone can use them. How true that is. Thank you so much for joining the show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice at Disability Matters. See you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.